Hello, and welcome to the Technicast. And this is our Congress special. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing as many of you as possible. If you are listening to this on your way in, do please come and say hi. Uh, I'm joined by the whole team, and we've got some new people as well, which is very exciting. And we're going to be talking about writing, of course, because that's the theme. And we're going to be talking about writing podcasts, because while we always have our corporate papers going, it is really beneficial um, to have a go, uh, we think. So we're going to share with you a couple of ideas about why writing a podcast is good and maybe a Technicast episode as well. And then um, we're going to have a, a little look at how we might go about that. So in terms of why a podcast is useful, I was thinking about the fact that over the last few years, we've all been uh, hearing about how talking is good for us, especially of the pandemic when we were, we were separated and stuff. And a lot of the same things can apply to academic work as well. Research in education and philosophy has highlighted that talking through stuff is a really useful cognitive uh, exercise and particularly relevant to, uh, well, everyone's research is that this is very true when it comes to complex or really new ideas. And it's been found that explaining things is one of the most effective ways to learn and process concepts. And this goes all the way through from, from schools to adults. Um, a lot of the research in schools has shown that pupils uh, have accelerated conceptual development when they're told or, or sort of when they're given the task to explain ideas to their classmates. And because we're all doing such niche stuff, this can increase processing speed when it comes to trying to, you know, look at new uh, theories. And in terms of um, explaining overarching topics, so when you're trying to really give a gist of your entire project as it becomes more and more, you know, nebulous, um, this is really useful because they found that explaining something helps you identify and fill gaps in learning as you're explaining something to, to someone. And as our research gets more complex, this of course is, is very useful. And this also chimes with uh, reflections from um, contributors this year. We're going to hear from one of them in a little bit. Um, and they've said that actually a lot of the time um, when they're explaining what they found to people, it helps them focus on the kind of underlying reasons and that can often really help with working out the theory stuff. And most importantly, they found that it can really help their engagement with their project, which as we know, can uh, ebb and flow a little bit. Um, it offers a slight change of pace and can help with motivation um, and attention and, and you know, sort of processing speed. Now, of course, we, we would recommend this to anyone but if you fancy doing it for the Technicast as well, um, Morag is going to tell you why that might be a really good idea. So welcome, Morag. Tell us more. Hi. Um, so I'm just going to talk quickly about why it's really cool to write for a podcast and for Techne specific, Technicast specifically. Um, so mirroring a lot of what Felix has just said, when you're writing for a podcast episode, you're writing for an audience which is slightly different from the people you're used to writing for as a PhD student. Normally you're writing for a, a, an audience of specialist academics, you're writing for people who already know about the field that you're making a contribution to. 
Um, whereas for a podcast, you're writing for an audience of educated non-specialists. In some ways, this means you have to think about why your research is important beyond the academy and beyond the conversations between you and your supervisors. Um, one of the things that people often say about a PhD is that it can be quite an insular practice. Sometimes it can feel a bit as if you're writing into the void. Um, so when you write for a podcast, you have a really exciting opportunity to look at your research from a fresh perspective and pull out the threads to sp that kind of speak to its wider significance. Um, I think it can be a really useful remedy to the, the tunnel vision you can get when you're researching the same very, very niche thing day after day. Um, so, you know, as a bonus to that, by getting out of that tunnel vision, um, you are able to think about your research in a new light um, and that can then feed back into your research practice and make you think about new avenues that you might not have given much thought to before. So I think something that would be useful if you're thinking about writing for a podcast is basically talk to talking to someone who loves you and cares about you enough to tell you when you're being boring and um, <laughs> can kind of help you to identify, you know, because you know why you're interested in your research, but it's probably good to talk to someone who is a bit outside it and can say, this is why it's interesting to someone that's not you, <laughs> you know? So I think um, it's a really useful practice um, for writing and researching, but also it's, you know, it's quite fun and interesting. Um, I think recording for Technicast specifically um, as um, is a really useful practice because um, the whole point of the podcast is that it's researchers demonstrating work in progress and it's a really supportive community. I think those elements can kind of take the pressure off writing. Um, so if you're a listener and you've never contributed before, I would really encourage you to get involved later this year to see what writing, um, writing for podcasts can do for your research practice. Thank you very much, Morag. So if you were so inclined to have a go yourself, um, Julian is here to give you a few tips based on his experience of writing podcast episodes. And I think he's particularly interested in finding a bit of a different tone to your normal writing. So welcome, Julian. Hi, Felix. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, tone of voice, tone of voice is really important. And that's, I think, you know, after what, what Morris just said as well, I think that's the really interesting bit about writing a podcast is you get to be a bit more, more playful, a bit more whimsical, a bit more you than you might be in, in academic papers. And, um, and that's a really good thing to get across. But at the same time, there's also a danger there that you become too much so and, and I think one of the things about podcasts to remember as well is that you're engaging directly with an audience so I think the first step would be to sort of try and know who your audience is so as Morag said they're sort of educated listeners they probably won't know your academic jargon they probably won't know a lot of the things that you might assume an academic audience would know and so that will affect the tone of voice in the way you speak about things. And, um, and I think once you've thought about that and you thought, as Morag said, you know, it's something more, more intimate, you're talking to someone directly as well. And that's the other thing I would say to remember is you are in a person's ear. Um, so that's also something to respect. I think, you know, you're sort of talking directly to them. So yeah, overall the tone of voice, I'd say, you know, it's, 
it is you, it's much more you, it can be playful, it can be creative. But there's the thing to remember is that it's conversational. And so that means, you know, might mean shorter sentences, not jargony, not complex sort of, you know, which we have a tendency to do in academic writing, which also isn't great in academic writing, but it's especially sort of jarring when you when you talk. And then the other thing is to remember the enthusiasm. You know, you talked about that. You talked about why 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 we're passionate about our research. And enthusiasm can be heard. A smile can be heard, I think. And if you manage to get that across, you know, your passion will also then become contagious. And uh, so that's all in the tone of voice. In terms of structure, I would say, um, again, it's not an academic paper. It's it's a story. You're trying to get a listener interested. Um, so for me, what I like to do when I when I write a podcast is to just you know have a hook to grab and then especially hold the listener's attention. So it's you know why why is this topic interesting? Why is it interesting to me? And why should it be interesting to you? But then also sort of what's unique about about my take on it? You know, so what will you hear that is different from what you might have have already heard about it and um so again it's it's to try and bring in that enthusiasm from the start and then and then to think of it as a story you know so what are you going to hear what are the things that that i'm trying to overcome you know there's a bit of an arc you don't want to reveal everything at the start but you want to get people interested and like follow you on that journey so that's that's something to remember in the structure and there's obviously there are no hard and fast rules and and, you know, it is about being a bit more playful, about uh, more creative. But if I had one rule to give, I would say don't start with introducing yourself. Because if it's relevant, you can work that in. But it's not a hook. I think when I listen to things and someone just starts with that, I'm not hooked and I'm probably not going to follow you. So that would be my one rule um, if I had to give one. Thank you very much. And I think also you raise a good point in terms of when we, we use that murky term, transferable skills, I think being able to tell your uh, thesis as a story is going to be useful practice for you in many different uh, environments which you might end up in after you've finished. Um, so that is also um, a good shout. We also asked um, Mary Dawson, who recorded an episode for us on affect uh, about a year ago, and she also had some very interesting points about why recording a podcast was useful for her. So I found writing for the podcast a really positive experience. For me, it was incredibly motivating to write for a listening audience and to write for my own voice. I also really enjoyed writing for people who were listening because they might be interested in the topic, rather than writing for people who might in some way be judging what I'm saying which is what, if I'm honest, it feels like when I write for conferences. And here's Mary again with her own tips on how you can write your podcast episode. My top tips would be firstly to keep sentences short and only use words that are easy to pronounce. Be kind to yourself. Secondly, try and make what you're saying fairly concrete. I found personally including too much theory in my first draft meant that I struggled to keep track of the story that I was telling when I listened back. Keeping my language and ideas tangible and concrete rather than abstract was also a really helpful writing exercise for me more generally. 
and some of the phrasing I came up with for the podcast has made its way into my thesis. Thirdly, I'd say think about whether there is an emotional dimension to your writing. Can you find a story arc for your argument? Maybe starting with intrigue or drama, moving through jeopardy and on to catharsis at your conclusion. When I was drafting the podcast, I found that making notes for myself about the sort of tone and affect I wanted to set and convey in each section really helped to keep my writing and thinking on track and to keep me engaged and enthused when I was reading it. Now, Edwin, who, as you know, is also one of the team, has recorded an episode himself and he had some very interesting insights into his process. Uh, It's quite useful, obviously, to reflect on it afterwards and see what worked and what didn't he's going to talk to us about it right now yeah thanks felix i won't um i won't repeat uh, all of the good broader points that that people have already said um but i'll just add something of my own experience um i did mine i recorded my episode quite early into my phd i think it was only five months in um and i thought when i listened to it back recently that it would sound very kind of unformed a bit naive at that early stage in the research um but it actually contained a lot of the ideas i've circled back round to much later in my research i'm now in my third year so it's a really good way to kind of crystallize your ideas whatever stage you're at with your research remember that you would always know more than the listener in most cases anyway um about your subject so they're always going to find some interest in it so don't worry if it's not fully fleshed in your opinion um, because you and the listener will both get something out of it Um, and I'll also say just on the theme of kind of being creative like Julian had said um, I think that a good way to do that is by your intro and again as Julian said you know maybe you don't need to go straight into introducing yourself or even saying you know this essay will or in this paper I will you can do that if you want but again, it's not a an academic paper, so there is more freedom. So again, just to use my own example, and this is by you know this is by no means the way to do it. It's just the way I thought I would do it. Um, is I started with a scene setting, few paragraphs um, about a a real catastrophic wildfire in 2018 in in California, um, and my research is on climate change in Californian fiction. So that event, although it obviously doesn't relate specifically to the fiction, was a good way to introduce my theme, to introduce the topic. Um, And, you know, it felt a bit more journalistic, I suppose, a bit more like um, a bit of reportage rather than literary analysis. Um, Other people have done field recordings. We've had creative writers reading their own fiction. We even have one contributor, John Mason, um, providing his own soundtrack on a traditional folk instrument. So you can get really creative and um, and have fun with it. That would be my, my reflection. Now... We thought um, to reflect that enthusiasm, we'd try and include a bit about motivation uh, because we all write differently and writing for a podcast is obviously different to um, writing uh, academically. And so you have to put yourself in a certain kind of frame of mind. And one way that we do this obviously is in the environment that we create around us. And we were thinking about um, how we utilize music or sound around us because obviously podcast is a big sound-based uh, endeavor and so we have another new member Olivia uh, welcome Olivia who's going to take us through a few ideas around 
um, what we're listening to while we're writing something to be listened to. Uh, so welcome, Olivia. Please take it away. Hi. Yeah, so I'm going to be talking about the place of music in our writing and working process. I'll start by saying there's absolutely no definitive answer when it comes to the question of whether it's better to write whilst listening to music or it's better to write in silence. Psychological studies, very, very divided. There are some conclusions that they've come to. So music might help or hinder your work, but it kind of depends on the type of task you're trying to perform. So are you trying to write? Are you trying to read? Are you trying to reply to emails? Or are you just planning a piece of writing? That really affects what type of music you might want to listen to um, to get you into the right headspace. And obviously, it's down to the individual. So what works best for you? I know some things work best for me, but from talking to other people, um, they pretty much do the opposite thing. So it's really personal. And I think it's something that's worth experimenting with. Um, I know that music's helped me a lot when I've I've been writing or planning a piece of writing. So some general conclusions are that music can improve your productivity if you're doing repetitive tasks. So that might be something like downloading all those PDFs that you probably won't read um, or doing something like um, referencing, um, writing out your bibliography. So those kind of tasks. Um, Music can act as a good motivational warm-up to your writing so if you wake up in the morning blast some well I blast some 80s pop music to get me into the, a positive headspace um, or it can be good if you want to take a break from your writing and you need to listen to I've been listening to a lot of Kate Bush recently and that's quite cathartic so I yeah as a warm-up or as a break pop music or something kind of upbeat can be um really helpful for getting you into that creative focused um, mindset if you're doing um, a high information processing task like reading or writing where you're taking in a lot of information or you're having to think really hard and in a focused way um, it's probably best psychological studies say to work in silence or to have kind of repetitive background music that's kind of low low level um, So if you don't want to work in silence, the general kinds of music that people suggest listening to include instrumental music, so classical or jazz music, Um, music in a language you don't speak, so you can't get distracted by the lyrics, but there's still still something going on in the background. Um, Video game music apparently is very helpful for focusing on a task because it's all designed to engaged person playing the video game but not so much that they are distracted from playing the actual game so apparently video game music and I mean there's so many Spotify playlists of um, video video game soundtracks so I would recommend that Um, or simply like white noise or ambient music it's obviously very popular um, if you don't want to work in silence Um, so this is just from personal recommendations really but if you like ambient noises um to listen to in the background or if you haven't tried it but you want to give it a go and see if it helps um your writing or reading process if you do um there are things like the lo-fi hip-hop radio on youtube which is a classic it plays 24 7 
Um, so you can just type that in on YouTube and have a listen. It's very relaxing. Um, all their websites like asoftmurmur.com where you can play and mix generic ambient noises like rain noises or kind of background coffee shop noise, um, which some people find very helpful and I guess is part of the reason why people like to work in cafes. Um, yeah, so those are the kind of conclusions that psychological studies have come up with. For me, I, I mentioned this already, but I tend to like listening to pop music to get me motivated to work. But when I'm actually reading or writing, I don't listen to music with lyrics because I've realised that just completely distracts me and I, <laughs> I yeah, not helpful. Um, I usually listen to ambient or electronic music or video game soundtracks that aren't super intense. Um, I'm not very good at working in silence, I've realised, so I always need something at least kind of low level because um, that helps me not get distracted, distracted by the silence somehow. Um, but so some of some of my go-to people on my Spotify playlists, I would say my go-to person is Brian Eno. So he's like the father of ambient music, basically, um, especially his albums, his Apollo album or Another Green World. I'd really recommend it's kind of enough to get you in a in the zone, I would say, in a headspace where you're focused and also kind of motivated as well. It's quite uplifting music. Um, and then another person, I've got so many, but I'm just narrowing them down. Um, another person is Clint Mansell. So he scores a lot of TV and film and video game soundtracks. Um, it's similarly like atmospheric, ambient music, um, but it's enough to keep me engaged and not distracted, but not too engaged. So I'm, I'm still focused on my work. Um, so yeah, that's a very brief, very brief run through of what the psychologists say and my own personal experience. I would recommend experimenting with listening to different types of music and seeing how that gets you in certain headspaces when you're writing, I think is really, um, really useful. I was going to open it up to everyone else and see how music might come into everyone else's researching processes like or does everyone just listen in silence if you don't I would like to hear what people are listening to because I'm always taking recommendations yes so I have recently started experimenting more Olivia I think that's a I think that's a good point I would highly recommend experimentation um I am someone who always has almost always has music on like in life in general um, it's a big part of my life and, you know, the realisation that I couldn't read complex texts with music on was hit me quite hard. Um, so I have in the last year recently really enjoyed finding, um, like the lo-fi stuff, um, that you mentioned. I, um, just, yeah, type lo-fi into YouTube and loads of stuff came up and, I find that useful because um, classical music was a bit too stimulating for me, even though there were no words. Uh, so if I'm kind of really concentrating, uh, that's what I uh, I have on in the background. Um, but then the rest of the time, I think maybe just because I've done it my entire life, I have my normal 
normal stuff on, which is a bit of everything. Um, I think the other thing is uh, in terms of um, kind of a, a pace thing, like a tempo thing. Some days when I'm trying to kind of take my time, I'll put on some nice folk music. And then other days when I'm trying to really, um, yeah, be kind of more energetic in my output, then I'll put on more um, up-tempo stuff. Um, with words, That I think it's one of those where that may be counterproductive. But actually, the kind of compensatory element of that is that it, I really enjoy it, and that keeps me um, motivated. So, it's a it's a balance. It's a tightrope. Uh, but yeah, um, I couldn't really imagine most of the time working without music. It's only really when I'm reading something um, quite complex that I don't have anything on. I'll always mm. almost always have something on the rest of the time. Yeah, I sort of agree with that. I um, so I've come to think of it as I have two channels, which I hope is not too reductive of myself, but um, so I have an in and an out channel. And if I, I can't sort of clog up both channels, uh, a channel at the same time. So if I do something that requires the in channel, then I can't listen to music at the same time because that's also going in. Whereas if I use something that, so by that, I mean, you know, what you said, complex texts, things where I have to absorb information, where I have to make sense of information. So there, I tend to be in complete silence and I actually prefer working in a library for that sort of thing. So cafes and stuff don't work. Um, but then if I use the out channel, so if I'm writing, for example, then I can use music and, um, and I do as well. I tend to do what you said, um, where I use music that doesn't have lyrics, um, just so I don't get distracted by it. But, um, but then, and then that's where it, when it comes to writing. And I mean, I'm fortunate in that I do creative writing where I can have different styles, but um, I try to use music that reflects the style and the pace that I'm trying to get to. So, you know, if it's something more like fast paced or whatever, I might use some jazz or something like that. If it's something a bit quieter, um, I might use, you know, sort of piano music or ambience or a playlist of that's got sort of you know explosions in the sky mogwai sigiros that sort of thing um so yeah but broadly it's those two channels things and then and then trying to to reflect yeah the style that i'm trying to get to i think that two channels thing is a really interesting way of conceptualizing it i think um because i think i'm quite similar in that like if i'm trying to take stuff in i really can't have music on but um I think particularly when I'm writing there's like a little bit of my brain that likes to float off and be like what am I gonna make for dinner and do I need to do the laundry and I found that um music really kind of occupies that part of my brain that likes to float around um so I've, I've definitely found music has been really important to to that kind of thing but um I thought what you said, Olivia, about another language um, was kind of chimed with my experience because I definitely can't listen to anything um, with lyrics in English, but I do find myself listening to quite a lot of bossa nova because I don't understand it. Um, so it kind of um, uh, kind of doesn't distract me while I'm trying to write. Um, but, and yeah, ambient stuff as well, I find really useful. So there's um, there's a particular ambient musician called Takashi Kokubo who has a lot of you know I think he kind of is in the kind of YouTube algorithms that you get alongside the kind of the 
you know, I found him through lots of lo-fi stuff, but um, someone made a playlist of his work on Spotify and the description was um, for the anxious and the academically burdened. And I, I felt that. I think we all felt that, you know. So, yeah, that's that's my music and that's my music process. Yeah, just to add to that briefly, um, one piece of music that I listen to a lot during writing, reading, everything really is um, William Basinski's Disintegration Loops, uh, which is a really great piece of ambient music um, that is not intrusive. You know, you can easily listen to it in the background while you're doing work, but it also at times gets fairly uh, dramatic and there's quite a lot of kind of emotional heft to it um, as it goes on. It makes whatever you're writing at that particular time feel quite important um, and it kind of adds an extra layer of, um, of drama to proceedings, I think. So yeah, I'd go with that. Based on the recommendations that came up there, we are going to drop a little Spotify playlist just of our music recommendations for what we kind of listen to when we're when we're working obviously it's not going to appeal to everyone but hopefully you'll find something in there that you might want to explore a bit more um so it might be the bossa nova from morag or it might be the ambient music or jazz music so yeah we'll be dropping that at the same time as this podcast um so yeah look out for that Thank you very much, Olivia. I hope everyone has a lovely congress. Thank you for listening to our sound-based sounds. And uh, we will catch you soon with some more archives goodness. Uh, Other than that, have a lovely rest of the month. And we will catch you on the other side.